Thank you for joining us on episode seven of the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations with some of her favorite people. They're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Overcoming Monday is a podcast designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Now let's get started with an introduction to the episode. Hey friends, thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of Overcoming Monday. Today we have Mo Isom joining us. She is a New York Times bestselling author, a national sought-after speaker, and an online content creator. She was also an All-American record-breaking goalkeeper for the LSU women's soccer team, the first female to train with and try out for an SEC men's football team and LSU's homecoming queen. That's awesome. Her endeavors landed her on the Ellen DeGeneres Show, ESPN, and the 700 Club. So with all that being said, let's get to it. I want to thank you, Mo, for being with us here today. I've already gotten to do one podcast with you, so here we go. We get to go again. Woohoo! I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and also on with us today is my special guest called Clayton King. That's what I'm called. Yes, he is. That's what they call me. He is called Clayton King. (laughs) Yep. Um, I'm so excited you're on the podcast today with me, friend. Well, thanks for inviting me. You know, I'm I'm just kind of a tag along, and I just want to show up whenever somebody needs me. You looked really (laughs) sad at home today, like you had nothing to do, and so I thought I'd give you something. Yeah, well, I'm glad to sit in with you. I'm so excited for your new podcast. Um, we launched it in January, and people are listening, and women are being blessed, and men too. I mean, I listened to your first episode and learned so many new things. And, and your life was changed. Uh, you changed my life in so many ways. Uh, nobody's changed my life quite like you have, Shari, and I mean that in all sincerity. <laughs> That's actually probably true. It is totally true. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling the truth. So you're glad to be here instead of like um, putting up Christmas decorations that we still have out at home, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about that because I don't want you getting any bright ideas about the honeydew list. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm excited to be on the podcast with you because I love doing stuff with you and uh, I'm excited about interviewing Mo Isom. We had her on my podcast recently and man, she's just got such a great story and, um, and I'm just thankful that she's here. Yeah, we hope that we give you... Um, some little secrets for your big breakthrough today on Overcoming Monday. So, hey Mo. Hello. Good to have Um, you back. It's good to be back. I'm a little, a little ashamed. You guys, we're almost in February and the Christmas decorations are still up. Yes. Well, they're not everything. They're not up. They're just, they're down. But okay. So perspective wise, we went to Africa for a while and then Mm -hmm. we came back and we had a conference and then we came back and pretty much I've just been too busy to do anything else. So they're all sitting on the dining room table, ready to be put in containers. (laughs) That is fair then. You you get yep. you get a pass this time. <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen this year. I just looked at our schedule and said, you know what? Christmas decorations are gonna be up in February. So that's <laughs> what's going on. Um but so Mo, I wanted to let you know that the idea behind this podcast, it's called Overcoming Monday because I'm trying the subtitle is um Little Secrets for Your Big Breakthrough. And 
I feel like as I've listen, listened to your story over um, the internet podcasts and sermons that you've preached, you've talked a lot about things in your life that you've had to overcome. And I just, I want to be able um, to share some of the things that you, that the Lord has taken you through with some of my listeners, because I feel like some of the things you've learned could really push them forward and help them find their big breakthrough, if that makes any sense. So if you just, would you mind starting off today and just maybe giving us a snippet of your testimony, just the highlights or um, whatever you feel like is sticking out to you that you want to share about the things that you've had to overcome in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so interesting every time, um, I'm introed, like you just did a few minutes ago. Um, I listened to some of the highs, some of the, you know, amazing things that time athletically on the soccer team and then with the football team and, you know, the Ellen show and homecoming queen and all these things. And I just think, man, if only people knew what was going on behind closed doors during all of that, mm-hmm. um, we, we kind of live in this culture that we lead with our highs, you know, we lead with our successes. Um, but sometimes I think that can also, and it was a great intro. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> hacking the intro, but I just always think, you know, sometimes that can lead us to even this covetous place of, of man, that person must just have it all together, all figured out, listen to those incredible things. And, you know, my life looks nothing like that. But the reality was that there were so many amazing highs, um, yes, that were phenomenal in my young life, but there was also some unbelievably crushing adversity that was happening behind closed doors. And, um, you know, growing up just struggled in a lot of ways. I was a very competitive athlete. I was a perfectionist. I was, um, so desperate to make my daddy proud of, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the things that I did. So, so pining for that worth and in the affirmation of others. And, um, really just led me to a place of, of identity issues, to be honest, identity issues, control issues, um, work, works based, you know, life of needing people's feedback and affirmation and praise. And I, you know, my dad was tricky and that, um, his responses were often, if I, if I did things well, if I succeeded, I was praised. If I, you know, lost a soccer game or played poorly or, you know, did poorly in school, I was given the silent treatment for a week at a time. I mean, it, my, my relationship with my earthly father kind of crafted this idea of my relationship with my heavenly father, that I had to be great, um, to be loved well. And, Mm -hmm. um, I adored my dad so deeply. I fought for it. I did. I gave everything I had. And, um, you know, really it, it led me into a lot of identity issues, which ultimately the enemy will meet us right there. It gives him a great foothold and, you know, just plant lies into our minds. And, you know, the lie I really clung to was the fact that I needed to be in control. There, were, I, I had to control um, and author really my own story. And I was an athlete. I was doing some acting and modeling. I was Um, you know, a student, obviously, and socially, there were all these different avenues that I wanted to dictate how they would play out. And very quickly realized none of them were playing out the ways that I hoped or planned or was working so hard for them to. And so I wrestled with that, that control and the enemy convinced me I had to control something. And so that manifested in my life into a really vicious eating disorder. Um, It began as anorexia, Um, I was still a competitive athlete, so I needed some fuel. So it kind of evolved into bulimia. And then even further there, I think we all probably know the voice in our head that says, you're still not good enough. You still Mm -hmm. 
um, aren't enough. You need to do more, be better, work harder. And so that evolved into a combination of really the two disorders where there were days I would eat like an apple and make myself purge nine, 10 times a day. I became Mm. fixated with exercise. I would log calories in, calories out. I started abusing, you know, diet pills, energy pills. On the surface, it looks like a girl who wants to be fit and thin. On the inside, I was obsessed with controlling my own life and um, really struggled with that eating disorder all through high school for four years. Um, wrestled with that, but my um, my God's so faithful. Even not even seeking Him, He still found me, and mm. I, I came across some truths that stirred a bit of courage in me. Um, scripture that says, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened." and I will give you rest. And I was so tired. Mm-hmm. I just needed rest. And so I kind of leaned into that and um, found the courage to open up to my mom about the eating disorders and, um, you know, moved into college. She got me help with a therapist. She got me help with a nutritionist. But ultimately what she instilled in me that was that the only true healing was going to come from my pursuit of the healer. And it had to be my own pursuit. It couldn't be this faith by inheritance walking on my parents' leash of Christianity anymore. If I wanted healing, I had to pursue and come to know the healer. And so I moved into college, you know, kind of figuring that out, what a faith walk looked like on my own and had an amazing freshman year, these incredible highs right on a mountaintop, you know, pursuing the Lord and feeling so great and these blessings just raining down and thinking, this is great. (laughs) This is what it means to be a Christian. I give God the glory and the blessings just flow like manna. Awesome. (laughs) So I have this amazing freshman year and, um, and then, you know, Christmas break of my freshman year, come home and to make a very long portion of the story short, um, come home and my, my dad in the course of that time put a gun to his heart and pulled the trigger, um, Mm. and suicide suddenly entered my story and my young wobbly legged faith who just thought, you know, I give God the glory and the good stuff comes suddenly was face to face with some really hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just sent me running, running from God. I didn't believe he was good, holy, loving, in control. If he was in control, why would he let such a disaster happen? I just mm-hmm. couldn't reckon with these things and this gaping hole in my heart. And, you know, it just compelled me into darkness. It compelled me into depression, into anxiety, into promiscuity, into, you know, any sin-sized piece that could fill that God-sized hole in my heart because I was just taken off from God and um, God's still faithful. My my God's still so good, even in our wandering, even in our prodigal season. Um, he still seeks us and and loves us. And mm-hmm. um, I was headed home for Thanksgiving break after what had really been a year of really the darkest season of my life. I understood why my dad did what he did, and I saw it as a viable option for myself. Um, and I was headed home on on the interstate and had been stuck in traffic, so it was super late. It was like 1.30 in the morning. And the cry of my heart really through that year had been, God, if you're so real, do something. Reveal yourself to me. Everyone's around me. You know, you're the healer and the redeemer. And I don't know that. I don't feel that. I don't mm. even believe you are who you say you are. And so if you are who you say you are, you have to do something. And really what I said was just wreck my life. Just end it because I'm tired of feeling like this and fighting this. And this 
disclaimer, dangerous prayer to pray. Because <laughs> um, he hears us and he's willing to do it. He will He will wreck our lives to save our lives and to save our eternal stories. And yeah. I was headed home for Thanksgiving and lost control of my car, flipped it three times and landed upside down in a ravine at 1.30 in the morning, completely wow. physically broken. And it was in that place that the Holy Spirit just poured into that car and overwhelmed my heart. And I encountered this king who said, be still and know that I am God. Mm. Your identity issues, your eating disorders, your control issues, your grief, your, your depression, your anxiety, this promiscuity you're seeking to fill up this bleeding hole in your heart. I salve it all. It is all in my hands. Mm. I am for you. I am with you. I love you. In fact, I died for you. Mm. And so I choose you. What, what's your choice here? Are you going to continue to allow the haphazard winds of life to blow your brokenness back together? Are you going to trust me as the master artist, the one who knit you together and knows the plans and purpose I have for you? Will you trust me to rebuild you and to use you? But you have to give it all to me right now. Mm. And laying on the roof of that upside down Jeep, I, I did just that. And um, man, yeah. Sanctification is a process, yes. but salvation can come in a whisper. Right. And so took good. Was, was God just speaking over me? You are mine, and I am yours. Take up your cross and follow me. And um, that was a game changer. Life has not looked the same since. Yeah. Hmm. So you're. Um, I know that when you were in high school, you mentioned struggling with um, eating disorders and stuff like that. And your mom was one of your. Um, the key people to help you pick yourself up and figure out how you were going to overcome that. What would you say if, you know, there's probably some moms out there listening and what would you say that to them, if they have a daughter who's going through what you're going through, how, how would you advise them to help their daughter? Well, they need to contact Heidi Isom Dassinger. (laughs) 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 She's a rock star. Um, And honestly, she was a rock star before I knew she was a rock star. She was a rock star in all the quiet places that I never knew. Um, My mom, and now as a mother myself, I like am legitimately trying to learn how to do this because this is the hardest thing I think we'll ever have to do as women. But my mom was willing to allow God to truly lord my life versus her having to protect and guide and guard every single step of my life. Mm. And she was someone who was a prayer warrior where no one saw it in the quiet places, tucked Mm. up, I'm sure, in her closet and curled up in her bed. My mom prayed for me fiercely um, through everything. I'm sure from the day I was born, she's been that way. Um, But she was willing to surrender the child God had given her to steward, but the child ultimately who God was the father of, Mm -hmm. um, she was willing to allow me to suffer and Mm -hmm. to go through hard stuff and to process and to grieve and to, you know, lash out at her and to just go through this whole gambit of emotions that would be easier if we didn't have to feel as humans, but we do feel them. Yeah. And she, she, she gave up the reins of my life to a God she trusted. 
Mm. And she prayed fervently and interceded in that process. And as a result, um, he, he is the one who captivated my heart and saved me. Not that, not the work of my mom, where then my mom is my savior and my hope and my hero, you know, she let God do that. And I I can't imagine, I don't, ah, I can't even imagine with my two girls the day that that's going to be required of me, what I'll do, but I'm, I'm grateful my mom did. It's so hard for sure. I, um, my kids are 15 and 12 and I feel like I'm starting to realize, you know, starting to learn how to let them be their own people and make their own choices. And, um, my 15 year old's about to drive. And, and then I thought about him driving my 12 year old and how I'm actually putting both of their lives in his hands, which is scary. Um, but I remember when I was a teenager, I had this inclination to figure out what smoking was like and so my brother and I decided we were gonna make cigarettes so we got like a piece of notebook paper and we crushed up leaves and we <laughs> and we, we put the crushed up leaves in the notebook paper and rolled it up and thought oh this is a cigarette uh, it burns your lungs don't ever do that it's not <laughs> awesome we uh oak leaves <laughs> yeah 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 that's what I was doing and then uh, somehow I got my hands on a cigarette. My brother saw me get the cigarette, go in the backyard and try it. I hated it, but he, I told him, I said, don't tell mom. And what did he do? He went and told my mom. Of and course. yeah. And so my mom, um, apparently told my brother, um, well, I'm going to pray that Shari, that the Lord convicts Shari. And, um, I'm going to pray that he, um, that she repents. And so it, it took like a week. I'm on my bed sitting on there with my mom crying. I'm so sorry. I smoked a cigarette. You know, like it was just this moment of, I think it's the, one of the first times I remember God actually specifically disciplining me and convicting me about something specific like that, you know? And so that's so small compared to what you were going through and what your mom had to let go of. But Um, but I think that that concept is there, you know, like when we, when we trust the Lord to convict our children and to, and to rule their hearts, that's such a big let go as a mom. And then, um, but is there, so I'm sure there's something that she said to you, um, what, what was her greatest encouragement do you think that you got from her? Um, gosh, I could write a book of (laughs) Heidi's wise words. Um, Really what I shared in my testimony when I was talking to you a second ago um, was was very profound in my life. When I was headed off to college to this season of independence, I was going to be eight hours away from my parents and, you know, really my my own woman out in that place. Um, But her instilling in me that that it, it had to become my own walk with Christ. It wasn't a faith by inheritance. You know, it, I wasn't just insured a seat in heaven because my mom believed that Christ was who he said he was, you know, and, um, when she really instilled in me, if I desired healing, I had to, I had to come to know the healer mm-hmm. when, a when a parent, I think hands over to their child that you have a free will, you mm-hmm. have choices, hard choices you have to make. You have to surrender this. I can't do it for you. It's terrifying, but it's also empowering. And it is 
I think it's terrifying for all parties involved. <laughs> as a mom, I'm just thinking now as a mom, like, ah, oh. I think in the mom, it challenges if we really believe that the Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit does. It challenges mm-hmm. our belief in that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the child, in the child, it challenges what's going to guide you, what's going to shape you, what are you going to listen to and lean into, and are um, you going to take responsibility for your own life? Yes. You know? My mom always let me feel my own consequences. Mm-hmm. She didn't guard me or shield me from the natural consequences that came from decisions I made. That started young. I mean, she mm-hmm. was like <laughs> tough cookie, mm-hmm. but also soaked in love, you know, but she, she let me feel the hard stuff. And, and so then when it was this autonomy, this, you know, you've got to find it for your own. I was better prepared and, and also appreciated it. I think even in my brokenness and even in my wandering and my promiscuity, I always appreciated that my mom respected my privacy. Like when she would steal my, not steal, when she would discipline me by taking my cell phone when I was in high school, and I knew there were things on that cell phone that I would die if she saw or read, she never she never opened it and read it. She always respected my privacy, sort of like what you were saying with your mom with the cigarettes. And um, it was always then me who came to her. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm so sorry. Like, please, you know, please forgive me. And and it, the Holy Spirit works and moves, you know. And mm-hmm. I did. I think we just all have to to trust that and and figure out what it, what it looks like to really trust that when it's hard. We'll be back in a moment, but first, let's check in with Elizabeth Harper, our in-house beauty expert, for some top trends and your daily dose of practical advice. Hey everybody, this is Elizabeth with this week's tips and tricks. So I don't know how many of y'all are DIYers. I know I certainly try to be. I, um, you know, I'm a Pinterest fool. I love it. I could spend hours doing it. But how many of those DIYs and tips do we just leave sitting there and we're like, oh, I'm totally going to do that. I'm, that is going to be on my list. I'm going to get back to that next week. And yet they remain there. So what I did for y'all this week is I went through and picked some of my favorite DIYs, beauty hacks that actually work. So you don't have to wonder or, you know, make the mistakes that I've made. Um, One of the things, and this is... This is one of those that I've done, um, is applying mascara to those grays, to cover those grays if you can't get to the salon on time. Now, the key is, guys, waterproof mascara. If you use regular mascara, you go out, it's raining, you go work out, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have black streaks or brown streaks down your face. It happened to me at the gym. It's not cute. Um, Another fun one to try is um, cocoa powder. So... Say you're getting ready in the morning, you need a little warm glow to your skin, um, but you don't have any bronzer. Go to your cupboard, pull out some cocoa powder. You don't want it to have any sugar in it because if you plot it to your skin with sugar, it's going to get sticky during the day. So sugar-free cocoa powder, just your all-natural, apply a little to your powder brush and voila, your skin's going to be cocoa-licious. Um, no fingernail polish remover? No problem. Mix equal parts lemon juice and vinegar. Add a little, um, just a tad water to it, and then you're going to have fingernail polish remover. So cotton ball, go to town. If you wanted to, you can add a little bit of sugar to it. Help remove any excess sunless tanner. Get splotchy. That's a great way to do it. 
these are just a few that I've that I've done that I've added for y'all. Um, if you go to the blog, you're gonna check out even more. So please head on over to the blog, check out a few more beauty hacks and DIYs, and have a great day. How did you go from? Uh, I'm curious because Shari and I have this in common with you. We're both authors and. We both travel and speak at events and churches. How did you go from being this high school student, then a Division One athlete, um, to being a speaker and an author? Because you're a mom and a wife too. Yeah. But you you're in a weird space, Mo. I mean, honestly, you're a woman, yeah. and you're a woman who's written a successful book. Uh, but you're not. That's no surprise to you. You've been in weird space before because you're also a woman who tried out for an SEC football team, a men's SEC football team. Yeah. So. Let's start with that. And this is the guy asking the question now because I'm so curious. What was it like to try out for an SEC football team as a woman? That was um, awesome. (laughs) Easy. It It was this amazing mix that was literally only led by God. I'll say, you know, you were talking about all these crazy, you know, places that I've stepped into. Every one of them had been prompted by God. And I've honestly actually fought back on some of them. Football very much being one. I he I was in the shower when when God just downloaded on my heart um, that that He desired me to to go out for the men's football team, and I'm like, first off, why? Second off, why? <laughs> Third, <laughs> I'm gonna die. Like, <laughs> I don't know so much about that, but He had His purposes for His calling um, that were far greater than I could even understand at the time. And I can see some now and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was really amazing. But I think a lot of times when God calls us to hard stuff, we want to like bargain with him for the blueprint of like what it's all going to look like and how it's all going to end up. But it doesn't take much faith to step into the journey when we know the outcome. It requires faith of us when we have no clue why we're being called to it or what it's going to look like and how we do it. And it, it forces us to depend on him. So, you know, he stirred that on my heart and I reached out you know, the foot, the soccer team and the football team train in the same facility at LSU, like weightlifting, the indoor fields. We're all amongst each other all the time. So, you know, it had been four years of knowing these guys, knowing the strength coaches, knowing the football coaches. And I was a I was an All-American athlete. I mean, I had scored a 90-yard goal as a, as a freshman in soccer. I mean, I had the leg. And so I wasn't like a freshman stepping in saying, I'm a girl and I really want to play on the boys team. Like, right. I was a seasoned athlete they'd seen my work ethic and my skills you know for years and so Mm. I reached out to one of the guys and I was like this is gonna seem crazy but Mm. as an athlete I technically get five years of eligibility you know only four in one sport but you're given five in case you get injured you know I have this fifth year I'm gonna have this fifth year you know what (laughs) should I even what is this what do you think and he was so excited the player was so excited it's like, oh, you got to talk to this coach first. So uh-huh. I just stepped in and kind of went through the ranks and literally said to God, like, just slam the door in my face if this is a no. Like, I've got to talk to 10 people on the ladder here. So just shut it down at, like, step four to save us all some, mm-hmm. some, some hardship. But sure enough, I talked to the strength coaches. They were so excited. They pointed me to the, you know, next administrative level to the next coach, the special teams coach to the, you know, administrator over all the football team eventually to coach miles. And I'm just like, would you guys mind if I, if I tried to do this and it was open doors the whole way. It was, I think it was a, 
athletes who understood I was an athlete desiring to push myself to a place that I hadn't, yeah. you know, every yeah. athlete, we're trying to figure out how far we can yeah. take our, our skills, our gifts. And, um, so it was open doors all the way, even next to coach miles, he was saying, go for it. He has a daughter who's a swimmer and a very competitive swimmer. And mm. he was just in my corner and, but he did clarify to me, nothing's going to happen for you because you're a girl. You've got to prove that you're better than our starting kicker. You know, you've got right. to prove that you can contribute to our team. That's the only reason we care that you're trying this. Yeah. Not like for, a you know, what became a, a media deal. We kept it under wraps for almost a year before media ever caught wind of it. And it became a story. We were, wow. we were training sort of. Is in that the- how you got on the Ellen show? Was that the kind of the inroad to get on Ellen DeGeneres? That's what Ellen's spot. Ellen's a Louisiana girl. So right. I guess she caught wind of it because it was down at LSU. And so I think she loved, you know, the idea of a female doing that. Um, and yeah, it brought me out to LA, but it was just really interesting because like now looking back, I'm like, Mo, you dingus, you should have focused on what was happening because they reached out for me. I mean, they're going to fly me out to LA, a car in the Warner Brothers studio lot, all this amazing stuff. You're going to be live on the Ellen show. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, how quick can we get this done? Because I need to get back to training. Yeah. <laughs> what was yeah. I thinking? <laughs> I, I like hardly remember most of that because I'm just like, okay, I don't want people to think this is a publicity stunt. I want to get yeah. back and keep training. Yeah. Ah, if I could rewind time and just savor every moment. Yeah, of just enjoy cool. it. <laughs> so how did you transition into speaking and writing? How, where did that come out of and yeah, the vision for that? So after my car accident um, where I came to know Christ, I um, really quickly when I was you know healed up and back at school, I felt this stirring that God was telling me to write about it. I'd always loved writing, mm-hmm. but outside of schoolwork, you don't really have a platform unless you make yourself a platform, you know, start a blog or something. Right. And I felt like there were a number of people of family and friends who needed a little more insight into the suicide, um, and the stuff that was going on behind closed doors and what we knew and didn't know. And so anyways, I said, okay, I, I, you know, I'll start this super rudimentary blog. I didn't know how to do any of that. And I just (laughs) said, I'll just write my story and let our family and friends like, you know, read and get a little insight in. I wrote it in 19 posts. I think I just wrote 19 days in a row and just a little bit of the story at a time. And by the end of it, it had like 250,000 views. It was wow. crazy. The The story had just, you know, there were a lot of people reading it, a lot more yeah. than just my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I thought, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll keep writing and using this. But I was, I'm like the world's worst blogger. I, I just blog when something's like worth blogging about on my heart. I'm like, mm-hmm. My publisher's like, could you please write a little more? (laughs) Nope, don't have a schedule. Um, I just blogged and I wrote for years and years with no agenda of where that would lead. I just wanted to reach people with truth. Mm. And then when um, I finally wrote a post called, I just got engaged and immediately doubted my decision. Here's why I still said yes. And it went super viral, like millions of views. And I had a literary agent reach out and, um, Sure enough, this was the most amazing part when we pulled together a, a you know, proposal for the first book. There were nine, nine publishers who had been following my blog all the while, all this time that I was just mm-hmm. writing what was on my heart with no expectation. There were eyes on it that would then open an amazing door down the line, but never mm-hmm. with like my thought of that being a thing, you know? And right. so it was really neat. Um, and it's, it's obviously been cool to grow into that writing platform, but also speaking was just sort of the same way. I organically just wanted to share my heart and 
I was still a student athlete, so I just like pop into people's Bible studies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, sure neat. enough, when I finished school, I thought I'd be a broadcast journalist because that's what I had studied, and I was just sure I'd be working for ESPN and um, couldn't claw the door down if I tried. On paper, would have been a perfect candidate. God just was not letting it happen. But all mm-hmm. the while, I was getting request after request to speak. So I thought, okay, God, I'll give this six months of speaking, and you know, then I'll get a real job. And mm-hmm. sure enough, it's like six years later, and he's grown a whole ministry. So just yeah, all Clayton. super organic. Clayton started speaking right after um, the Lord called him to ministry when he was 14. He just started going wherever the Lord um, led him. Yeah, like the very next day, Not, doors started opening up. Yeah, his his mom and dad were driving him to churches, dropping him off. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't old enough to drive. I was yeah. preaching it before I had a driver's license. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But and it didn't happen like that for Shari. No, I I just plugged in wherever I felt like the Lord was leading as far as Bible studies and all that kind of stuff is concerned. And then um, graduated from college, just super involved in everything. Wherever the Lord opened a door, I just went. Mission trips, Bible study, it didn't matter. I just loved it all. Yeah. And um, and so then when I met Clayton, uh, we just we started our ministry together. And so I'm and speaking chil- now. But well, well, children, I mean, that's yeah. the season that you're in, Mo. Yeah, you know, so. God gives you God gives you kids. And that's, you know, Shari and I used to creep into our kids' rooms at night when they were asleep in their cribs and their beds and look at them and say, that is the one chance we're really going to have to change the world right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. number one ministry is your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so hard, you, though, like as a as a as a woman and a mom who is gifted and talented in different ways. The season of motherhood just really in so many ways requires you to, to put yourself aside and, Mm -hmm. and give everything you have. And I've even hit, you know, walls along the way of thinking like, God, what are you doing? Like I have all of these gifts I could be contributing to your kingdom, but instead I have a kid puking on me and I just like stepped on my toddler's poop log because she missed the toilet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing? Like, why is, why am I in this? And what's so beautiful is that, and I'm just saying this for any moms listening who have probably felt that too. It's like this season, I feel like is where we come to know what it looks like to lay down our life for another more mm-hmm. so than any other season in life. Motherhood requires something really unique of you. Mm-hmm. And it is truly a death to self and a trust that God's going to, you know, bring things back when it's time or not and to be okay with that. And I've just found even in two years of motherhood, it's been the most refining. He's given me gifts of the spirit that I would have never had time to slow down and pray for if I had just mm-hmm. been doing Mo's thing and thinking I'm like, you know, the world's best kingdom contributor. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just this humbling season where I think he reveals himself in more ways than any other season in life ever can. So yeah. I mean, hearing, your I was, sto- hearing your story, you've had to overcome a lot, which is really cool because this podcast is called Overcoming Monday. I'm just <laughs> curious, um, and sure, I know you're about to ask something too, but mm-hmm. ha- have you had to overcome any real obstacles being a female in the speaker space? Oh boy, let's start a yeah. <laughs> long podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, there is still, um, it's still semi-taboo to have a female stand up and preach and lead yeah, and speak it's the so word hard. of God. And, you and know, even say it, that you're a preacher. <laughs> do even what? say that you're preaching. You Sometimes you just have to say, um, I'm teaching. Oh, yeah. I'm speaking. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking, sharing. I'm sharing. <laughs> 
I'm a speaker. I would love to just come speak to your group. And inside I'm like, the Holy Spirit's going to light this place up and you don't even know it. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it's still, it still is weird, especially I find in like, um, and I love FCA. They're incredible. Love working with that ministry, but especially in that like sports realm too. It takes these kind of leap of faith sometimes for the leaders to say, will you come speak to our group as a woman? You know, it's, it's guys and girls. They're like nervous. Like, can you, can you communicate the gospel to a man? And I'm like, I have a mouth and the Holy Spirit sometimes uses it. So I hope so. Like, you know, and it's amazing to see their sort of apprehension at first. There've been many engagements I've spoken at that they've said, you know, this is the first female we've ever had come yeah. speak. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, that's the part I like just wait for with anticipation. They're like, oh, oh. my gosh. And you know what they really want to say is, we never thought a woman could do that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, on, they, they certainly don't on the inside. I just, you know, chuckle a little. But it's really beautiful to see the Lord uses every single one of us yeah. through our unique gifts and talents and skills. And yes, I I am a firm believer that leadership within the church is called of males, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm a firm believer that as a woman, I often resonate and speak most powerfully and can connect most deeply with other women because mm -hmm. we're unique creatures, you know, both mm -hmm. made in the image of God, but both very different from one another. But I also know that, that if, if God intends to use a vessel, he'll speak through them to men, to women, to rocks and the rocks yeah. sing of his glory. You know, it's like, um, God desires to use every single one of us. And so I'm, I'm sort of one of those female speakers, preachers who delights and, and exalts male leadership, but also delights and loves the fact that God desires to use women for the kingdom love, work as well. I love that you're saying that, um, this, this season that we're having you on has everything to do with women. And some of the podcasts that we'll be doing is investigating women in the Bible and how God used them, um, talking about women in ministry, uh, talking about women in the world and how the Lord is using women to make a difference in, I mean, you know, most, if you look at any church and population, the women outnumber the men. And this isn't about like taking over the world or like a war or anything, but this is just about the fact that women have a heart, I believe, to serve. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that the Lord has created us with a desire to be moms. And then when we're a mom, we have to figure out how to be servants. And so I don't know if he's giving us a little bit of a head start because it's such a hard job to serve children who don't say thank you and just cry and spit in your face. And, <laughs> and you're sitting here going... I, like you said, I have more skills than changing diapers um, in my soul here. So what's going on? Why am I doing this? But I think that the Lord challenges us as women to say, can you put yourself on the shelf and still love me? Because yeah. if you can, I'm going to open the doors wide for you. And you'll never know everything that you do for me. And yeah. one of my heroes is Mother Teresa, man. She just she worked in the slums and no one even saw her. But she is she was a powerhouse. I mean, she yeah. ended up being recognized um, all over the world for the service that she did. And she didn't even start off that way. She just said, well, if the church isn't going to let me start an orphanage or minister to lepers, I'm just going to go do it on my own, whether people give me credit or not. And she just did it. Yeah. And so some of these women that are just willing to become nothing in order to serve the Lord, um, I just, 
I admire him so much. And so I'm just asking the Lord. I, I think about, too, we, we don't even think about the persecuted church enough. You've got people in prison cells loving the Lord who will never be recognized. Right. And their skills are pretty much not ever being used because they're sitting in a cell yeah. just loving the Lord the best that they can and trying to overcome their flesh that wants to probably give in Mm -hmm. to the culture and they're not. And so that is a quality, I think, in the church that maybe we don't value enough in America. Like you're saying when we introduced you and you're saying, here's all these accolades, but I don't really feel like that's really me. There's so much more below the surface. And so I think that motherhood is that. I think that... The Lord's saying, if you can serve these children, mm-hmm. you can serve anybody. Yeah. You know? That's so true. But, I love that. That's so good. Um, well, I want to respect your time because you have a child downstairs who is sick. And so I want to let you go. But um, uh, as we close, I know I, I want you to be able to give a chance to promote the books that you've written, both of them and the one coming out and to tell us how to connect with you. So if you just want to close us out today, just telling us, how, uh, what your book titles are, yeah. um, the one that we basically talked about your story today, and then the new one coming out, and then how to connect with you. We'll just end on that today. And I just want to thank you so much for being with us and for giving us your valuable time. You're so awesome. Of course. Thank you. Um, yeah, my first book is called Wreck My Life, Journeying from Broken to Bold. Um, you can pick it up anywhere, anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Lifeway, you name it. Um, and that really does dive in so much deeper to the testimony. I sort of got to recap, um, with you guys this morning, but, um, it's a great read. And then my newest coming out comes out March 6th is called sex, Jesus and the conversations, the church forgot. And it really moves through, um, more of my sexual testimony specifically and a lot of brokenness and a lot of redemption. Um, and it really, it really challenges and calls out a lot in our culture right now and just dives into biblical truth that um, can find any of us wherever we are. So that can also be found anywhere books are sold. Um, Those are my two little babies. My heart just poured out on pages. Um, So Wreck My Life, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations a Church Forgot. can grab those anywhere. You can also jump onto moisom.com and find the links to all of those books and where you can order I'm also super active on Instagram. I love it. So that's yes. at Mo Isom on Instagram um, and other social medias, Twitter. I'm just at Mo Isom and then on Facebook as well. So really, you can find me anywhere. You can find links to the books anywhere. And I'd love for, for a follow. Great. And if uh, someone wanted to bring you in to speak, would they just find uh, out how to do that on your website, MoIsom.com? Yep, MoIsom.com. It's got a whole speaking page. Um, send in a request form and um, we can get you on the calendar. That's I, I absolutely delight in that part of the ministry. So yeah, moisom.com, just the speaking page. They can find everything they need. Perfect. Well, we've loved spending time with you. And um, our, to our listeners, I just hope that you walk away today with something that you can use to overcome this Monday. Thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Shari, for having me as your co-host. I really enjoyed this little (laughs) girls party I got to sit in on. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Episode 7 of Overcoming Monday. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. 
And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.